And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, your local beat writer for The Athletic. And let me tell you, if he were any more pro-labor, he'd be a gynecologist. He is Cody Stavenhagen. Cody, how you doing? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know how to follow that one up, but yeah, I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, just, just wrapped up Thanksgiving, and here we are, uh, probably a busy couple days in the free agent market. So um, I don't know what that has to do with gynecology, but here we are. Well, he's, labor is labor, as they say. So, <laughs> uh, you'll have to forgive my voice. I was at a watch party for Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma, and uh, the game itself was crazy, and therefore our watch party went pretty crazy. So, I'm a little hoarse, but powering through. It was an exciting weekend in college football, but this is not a college football podcast. But, this is a human podcast. Cody, how was your Thanksgiving? Um, it was, it was pretty nice. Just spent Thanksgiving day in Amarillo, Texas with, uh, my dad, some good quality time headed down to see my grandparents after that. Um, so I had a good weekend. Fun fact, my grandparents live just outside of Nocona, Texas, home of the Nocona, um, leather goods company. And these, you know, they, the baseball glove company and bats, not a ton of major leaguers still use Nocona, but, um, David Ortiz, Miguel Cabrera for a while, I believe, used the bats. Miguel Tejada, Albert Pujols, uh, former Nocona clients. Uh, one of the few companies that still produces and manufactures gloves inside the United States. They still have a factory right here in small town Nocona, Texas. So it's kind of cool. That is cool and very random. You would have thought. That, that's pretty awesome. Back in the day, there were some pictures of me as a youth baseball player on the wall in the factory. Uh, they probably since took those down and replaced <laughs> them with pictures of, um, like, David Ortiz. But, you know, back in the day, you for, were for a short time. You were an early endorser. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that, I, is, that is the only glove I used growing up. Or I guess when I was, like, five, I might have had a Rawlings. But a uh, big proponent of no-cona gloves. Quality products. All right. Well, there's there's your unexpected plug right there. Uh <laughs> Uh, no a, one's paying us for these ads yet, but you know, maybe yeah, one of these days. Maybe, we have a couple that I would I would support, and that would be one of them. That'd be really cool. Um, also, non endorsement, but I am going to recommend this product for uh, for my Thanksgiving. We had it our at our house, hosted about twelve people. Uh, smoked the turkey, uh, electric smoker. So not I'm not trying to take too much credit, um, but smoked the turkey for nine hours. Why was it nine hours? You say? Well, it would have been eight. But uh, my house, like many houses of a certain age, over the years gets some ham and egger uh, wiring. So certain outlets are connected that you would not think would be connected. And the outside outlet is connected to the bathroom outlet. And my fiance um, powered out the outlet. I forget the term right now. Powered out, shorted the outlet. Uh, with her hair dryer no no hair straightener straightener so it was sitting not on for like 30 to 45 minutes so i go out there to put some more wood chips in and stuff and i'm like this thing is off why is it off this is not good <laughs> so we had to cook it a little bit longer than expected but all is well that ends well uh use cosmos q brine and seasoning oklahoma city based maybe tuttle actually but Oklahoma company uh, just did some research and turned out real well. So 
unofficial plug for them as well. So we got a couple plugs in to begin the podcast. Now we're going to plug ourselves, uh, more specifically you, Cody, with a real in-depth look at the shortstop class. You uh, you wrote kind of pros and cons of each guy, and shortly thereafter, there was a lot of chatter about Javi Baez. So before we get to Javi specifically, um, when you were researching these shortstops, did you end up changing your mind of what you considered the hierarchy for, I guess, pretty much everybody after Correa? Or did you already, you kind of confirmed what you already thought? Uh, I think I confirmed a lot of what I already thought. Um, I still think Correa is the best overall fit for the Tigers, but wrote about it pretty in-depth last week for The Athletic. If um, you're lazy and you don't want to read, just look at the, the charts that are in this article, because I think they say a lot. Um, I think my main takeaway kind of reinforced my belief. Cray is good, but he's not head and shoulders above the rest of this class. I mean, Corey Seager, I think, might be the best overall offensive player. The, the problem with him is he might have to eventually move to third, and the Dodgers are in to re-sign him, and if they're not going to give Correa 10 years, they're not going to give Seager 10 years. But the rest of these guys, Trevor Story and Marcus Simeon especially, are very good players. Even Javier Baez is a very good player. I will be honest. I think I would rank Baez last, at least out of kind of this, you know, this big five. That's not counting Chris Taylor or Andrelton Simmons. But I, I think I would still rank Baez last just because not only do the Tigers need a shortstop, a good defensive shortstop, they kind of need a guy to be the best hitter in their order. And although Baez has a lot of power, his career on base percentage is only 307. Out of this class of players, his, his OPS over the last four years ranks toward the bottom. Um, his OPS was 18, 813 last year. That's below Seager, below Correa, below Marcus Simeon. Slightly above Trevor Story, who obviously had a really rough first half of the year. Um, so I don't know. In doing my research, I think, it, it, again, it's important. The Tigers don't have to get Carlos Correa. I think it's the right fit. But if for whatever reason, they don't want to commit 10 years, 300 million. If you come away signing Marcus Simeon or Trevor Story, that's not a bad thing. If you sign Javi Baez, <laughs> look, one year ago, maybe say the end of 2019, if you would have said Javi Baez is going to be a Tiger, I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. And Baez is still a very good player, a very good defender. Um, he just strikes out a lot, led the NL in strikeouts this past year. Career on base percentage, 307. Um, I just don't think he's quite in the same tier offensively as uh, probably the four other guys um, that are that are predominantly talked about in this article. We could also talk throw Chris Taylor in there, who's more of a utility guy. But um, that was kind of my takeaway from just researching this a little bit more in depth. The thing with Correa, good as he is, his OPS among shortstops over the last four years uh, ranks toward actually the lowest of this class, tied with Simeon at 811. So again, a hard, you know, there are analysts who are paid a lot more to value these things than I am, but do you base everything off 2021? Do you base things off 2018 to 2021? It's a difficult, um, difficult process in evaluating players. And I think sometimes the media and the fan base we can be a little, we can, we can be guilty of some recency bias. And I think 
that is driving the Correa or bust type a little bit too much. There's a lot of angles here. Um, I want to get to the Correa or bust thing in a second uh, because I just think that's a, a terrible way to look at it. But on Correa specifically, I'm not a guy who who dives in deep into numbers like that. Just I know that's not my forte, so I, I let people like you and and analysts kind of you know do it for me. But I will say this: I am not so keen on guys who have career years and contract years. Um, some might call that lazy analysis, but it, the but. Carlos Correa is injured every year until he's up for a contract, you know, and I believe, and, and not that the gold gloves mean anything, but it does rank, it does raise your profile, you know, and it's something that you bring to the negotiation table, but then he, he won his first gold glove, correct? Like this year? I believe so. Yeah. We got to give Carlos a shout out for knocking Derek Jeter's gold gloves though. Yeah. 1000%. I mean, I, I completely agree with that and probably means he's not going to the Yankees, Um, (laughs) but stranger people have gone to the Yankees like Johnny Damon. But anyway, uh, I just, you talk about recency bias, like sort of the other end of that is we are forgetting what kind of marked Correa's career up until essentially this year. Um, and that's not to say he wasn't always a great player, because he was. Uh, but if you look at games missed over the years, they're not rest days. Like, there, there's some pretty good injuries in there. And he is a bigger guy. And he does play the physically demanding position of shortstop. You know, how much how much of that, is, you know, is related? I don't know, but I don't think you can discount it. So I, I, but the Correa bust thing, as you laid out, there's a lot of talented guys not named Correa. But if you're gonna, you're gonna label three bills to a contract on a guy who just now became healthy for one year, and it was a weird year. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think. I just think that needs to be taken into consideration. That's not to say I wouldn't think Correa would be great for the Tigers or that. He isn't the number one shortstop, but we can't just ignore years of data regarding what you get out of Carlos Correa, which sometimes he's not in the lineup, and that's the thing. I think we, I think no one's talking about that, and it baffles me. Yeah, uh, we could ramble about this stuff for days, so it's hard to like make a, a concise point. I, I want to backtrack. I'm not saying the Tigers should not sign Carlos Correa. I think the Tigers yeah. should sign Carlos Correa. I agree. I do not think. They should sign him to a 10-plus-year contract. I think I've said here, I don't think I would give any player that long of a contract um, because that's just a long time. You don't know how guys are going to age generally, especially post-steroid era after 32, 33 players decline. So if the Tigers can somehow talk Correa down to maybe a six, seven, eight-year deal, an eight-year deal with an opt-out after three or four, I think that's the ideal destination here. And I don't know this for a fact, but I get the sense that's kind of what every team is trying to do right now. I think the shortstop market, as we record this on Sunday, is kind of in a stalemate. Everyone's staring down each other. And Correa and Seager don't want to take less years or less money. But no team has ponied up with the big offer yet. And then you have things like, oh, the Tigers are suddenly interested in Javier Baez, which... 
kind of came out of nowhere to me. Uh, I thought they, they they were really liking Story more as kind of the, not the plan B, but the plan like 1A. And I don't know. I would assume that came from someone in Baez's camp because Baez is kind of trying to leverage the Mets and everyone's trying to leverage each other right now. And this market has yet to move. I don't know. It might start moving fast in the next couple of days before this December 1st unofficial deadline, uh, or it might not move at all. I think Correa and Seager could still hold out later and hoping that eventually gets them the, the 10 year, 300 million deal that they want. But I think the Tigers aren't not signing Carlos Correa because they're being cheap right now. I think they're trying to be good negotiators. At least that's how I view it. I think that's how both the Tigers and every team in on this market and every player and their agents are are playing this situation right now. Let me ask you something, Cody. So as loyal listeners to the pod know, you purchased a Mustang this year. Uh, I did. Got, got yourself a new car. I've seen it. It's sweet, people. It's a real sweet ride. Um, would you have paid $100,000 for that car, that car specifically? No. Okay. So everything has a price, right? Everything has value. I just really do not like what I see on Twitter. When the bias thing came out, all of a sudden it's Illich being cheap. And look, he's not his father, and there's a there there's not really a benefit of doubt for him right now, and that's fair. Like I'm not gonna discount that notion. But you don't just because they balk at the price of I'm just make up a number three hundred forty million over ten years for Correa doesn't mean they're going being cheap. It could mean that they're being measured. It could mean that they're thinking like you and basically saying like this is not good value. See, everyone loves analytics. Oh, the Tigers are so behind. Oh, you know they you know why don't they use analytics? Well, analytics tells you do not sign Carlos Correa for that much money over that many years because you can get a player in theory that will give you, and again, I'm just making up a number, 75% of Carlos Correa for 22% of the cost. Like these are real things that teams have to go through. So I just think on the surface, calling them cheap, Al cheap, Chris cheap, because they don't want to sign Correa for that many years for that much money I just, I just feel like it lacks a macro picture of how to build a team, number one. And number two, um, how to play a free agency market where there are so many moving parts and moving pieces. And everybody's trying to kind of get their, you know, get their guy, get their money, you know, get, you don't want to oversaturate the market. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces here. I just, the notion that they're being cheap if they do go with Baez, I think on the surface is just flat out wrong because everyone can say like oh they've had this much revenue they got this much you know millions on tv contracts and tax breaks and all those things those aren't necessarily always connected so you 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 build a team a certain way just because you're getting fan revenue doesn't necessarily mean that it's still a good idea to sign any player for 10 years we're still lamenting miguel cabrera's contract <laughs> I think I think the car analogy is not bad. I don't think a 27-year-old shortstop in his prime is a depreciating asset, but I think a 33, 34-year-old shortstop is absolutely a depreciating asset. Yeah, which would be halfway so through the contract. <laughs> I financed my car over 60 months. 
and I don't know what I'll do when it's paid off. Some people keep it, don't have a car payment if it's still in good shape. A lot of people trade it in as soon as it's um, as soon as it's paid off, get some value for it while they can get a new car. I don't know. I know I don't want to be paying off the same car for 10 years because the back half of that, the car is going to have a lot of miles on it. It's probably going to start breaking. You're going to put more into repair. Pretty similar for a, a shortstop I would try to avoid a 10-year contract. And the cheap thing, if the Tigers were to sign Javi Baez, it sure sounds like he's going to get upwards of $20 million <laughs> per year. It's not going to be gonna a minimum wage contract. contract. <laughs> they're going to spend money. It's just they're trying to spend their money smartly over a long period of time. If the Tigers come away with Andrelton Simmons or if they try to try Ryan Kreidler out there at shortstop, I think that's being cheap. Yeah. I will call it cheap. I will say that as being overly cheap, or at the very least, you really did not play that market well and you whiffed big. But if you signed Javi Baez instead of Carlos Correa, it's not necessarily because you were cheap. It would be cool if the Tigers come away with the best player um, in this market from this free agent class, but they have to be smart and assess what is worth it and what's not. That's not always an easy decision. Well, not only that, but you know, how long do you wait? Like if Correa is dead yeah. set on waiting until there's no longer a labor dispute to sign his contract for how much money are you are are do you have do you the fan do you Al do you Chris do you have the stones to sit there for potentially months without a shortstop and just hope that like once you can the ink you know you'll be able to ink him because he could change his mind. Like I've, that, 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 the, 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 it's a huge wild card in how you go about your business. And there's no book on this either because there hasn't been a lockout since we were, uh, as we make some people feel old, since we were basically twinkles in our father's eyes, you know? Like, <laughs> it's been a um, long time. It's been a long time. So, another thing, one thing that surprised me this week, the Tigers reportedly had made offers to Anthony Disclafani and Steven Matz. Um, so if the Tigers spend, let's say, 20 to $25 on Baez as opposed to 30 to, as I have to say, 1000 30 to $35 million on mm -hmm. Carlos Correa, like, they could potentially get another pretty good player uh, while still spending the same amount of money, maybe an outfielder, maybe another pitcher. I still tend to think if they sign another pitcher, it'll be on the lower end. But clearly the Tigers have not tied themselves entirely to that strategy because they were bidding for a couple of other kind of middle to, you know, kind of this moderate tier of pitchers who are pretty good, probably a little cheaper than Eduardo Rodriguez, but not a whole lot. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see that, but that's another reminder. Okay. If the Tigers sign Chris Taylor in an outfield bat and another established starting pitcher, would that combine to be more valuable than Carlos Correa? It certainly could be. You could make that argument. Um, so it's interesting. Well, you you talked about leveraging everybody's leveraging every uh, um, everybody else. Uh, I was reading some New York media about Baez and the New York Post, I believe it was, reported that supposedly Baez is kind of keen to signing before the lockout. Um, mm -hmm. That's the only top flight pitcher, or I'm sorry, not pitcher, free agent that I've seen insistent, uh, reportedly insistent on signing before the deadline. Um, 
maybe that's nothing. Maybe it's just trying to get people to offer. And um, I think I do agree with you that it was probably Baez's camp that leaked that the Tigers were in talks because uh, the Mets still aggressively want him. And the Mets are not being shy right now in free agency. So Steve Cohen may tweet dumb things, but uh, New York fans can at least be happy that he's opening up the checkbook. And... I don't know. I just, I just, it, it's hard to know what to believe, what not to believe. But I did also come across this. Is there anything in your opinion to uh, bias being attractive? Because there's no qualifying offer element there. There's another thing speculated not, in New York media. Not really. Like, it depends on the state of your team. If you're a team that's trying to win now, I don't think you can really base this decision on a third round draft pick. You know, if you all the other prime shortstops have qualifying offers attached to their names, so if you sign them, you will forfeit a draft pick for the Tigers. I believe that would be they're already losing one with Eduardo Rodriguez, so they could potentially lose their third and fourth draft pick. That's not ideal, but you're also trying to win. There are also no guarantees in the third and fourth round of the draft. I, I guess if it's a close call, maybe if you're deciding between Baez and Story, like that's one factor. I think that's one factor in a much larger equation. I don't put a ton of stake into that. I do think it makes Baez slightly more attractive than he would be otherwise. Um, but one other thing I want to mention, like we said a couple weeks ago, we just can't freak out over every single little tweet and report because they're, we went through this with Verlander. There are going to be more. You know, if you're on Twitter and you want to speculate and have fun, that's fine. Like that's in, in a way what pays the bills of sports media. I haven't weighed in much on the bias stuff other than uh, what, what my colleague Ken Rosenthal has reported, which basically hints at, yeah, there's a lot of leveraging going on. The reason I haven't really weighed in is nothing that tangible is actually happening. Like I said, it's kind of this stare down. When something is actually going on, when something is uh, serious or close to imminent or imminent, uh, that is when I will choose to weigh in otherwise. I mean, I spend an hour of my my uh, Friday with my grandparents, like freaking out, are the Tigers going to sign Javi Baez? <laughs> and I was texting Kim and I was texting a couple sources and, and uh, guess what? It's now Sunday. And what has happened on the shortstop market? Not a nothing, thing. nothing at all. And nothing, nothing was ever imminent with Baez and the Tigers. Maybe that changes in the next couple of days. I don't know. Uh, I kind of don't think it's going to though. We'll see. Yeah. And I, and I will say this, if, um, in regards to like the ten year contract stuff, I think sports fans sometimes need to reevaluate kind of what they want from their teams. Because um, some will say, especially in baseball, you want your team to spend money in order to get the best talent and all that stuff, and that's not necessarily wrong. But I think the better way to look at it is you want your teams to be flexible. You want your teams to be able to pivot and pounce when opportunities come to acquire player X, manager X. I mean, it worked out really well for Detroit to get AJ Hinch, you know, on the market, but they were in a position that they could make, you know, get it done. Uh, But if you sign anybody to a 10-year contract for that much money, you're you're throwing a lot of flexibility out the door. You want to be able to, you want to be able to have options and. I will. I just want to say this: If you do sign that, and I will celebrate it, I think it will be great. I'm not saying don't do it on the surface, because I think the market's the market at a certain point. But 
you're throwing a lot of flexibility out the window in terms of how you're going to be able to build the team. And so I just think that's something that sports fans should should kind of think about a little bit more instead of just spending. You want your team to be flexible and be able to build in multiple ways and take advantage of discrepancies in the market and trades and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? I agree. Um, I want to talk about Trevor's story for a minute. Again, I think the Tigers sh- should attempt to sign Carlos Correa. If they can't do it, if they can't get him for shorter than 10 years, I am starting to like Trevor's story as the best option, depending on his medicals or, or the kind of the state of his arm. He missed some time this year with right elbow inflammation. His throwing arm is thought to have declined quite a bit from the shortstop position, even though he's been a very good defender. Uh, he went on, he underwent an MRI this season that supposedly came back clean, but we've kind of heard that before with a variety of baseball players. If you're confident that Trevor Story's elbow is going to hold up and he's not going to miss a year with Tommy John surgery, uh, I think he could be getting a steal. I mean, again, two years ago, it was like, man, Story might be the best guy in the class. Well, he had kind of a down year and he was hurt a lot and he played through injuries. This past year, he's arguably the best overall performer in this crop since 2018. Uh, Fangraph still projects him to hit 27 homers and be worth 3.6 wins above replacement. Since 2018, he has a higher wins above replacement than Carlos Correa. His 880 OPS is the best of the bunch. Yes, his numbers are heavily influenced by playing at Coors Field. His road splits are uh, not very good, let's say, 241, average 310 OBP on the road uh, for his career. But it's also a little bit lazy to say, oh, well, he can't hit away from course. Because we now have a pretty long list of former Rockies who have had success elsewhere. Uh, DJ LeMahieu and Nolan Arenado being the latest. Typically, players' home splits go down a little bit when they leave the Rockies, and their road splits also go up because it's not just that the ball travels farther in cores. The baseball moves differently. Breaking pitches are different. Um, generally, players adjust better to hitting off-speed and break, or at least DJ LeMahieu and Nolan Arenado adjusted better to hitting off-speed pitches after leaving the Rockies, and I think there's reason to believe Trevor Story is a good enough hitter to do the same. So story right now being projected six years, 126 million, seven years, 224 million. I don't know about seven years, but if you could, if you could get story in like the five ish, six ish years range, it seems like his market is kind of down right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm starting to like this option quite a bit, assuming of course that his elbow is okay. Yeah. Some, so many X factors. Uh, I feel like I use that phrase a lot because of labor shortage, and then every kind of player has a little, little thing about him. And you start talking about arm trouble in general. Uh, it's always concerning how much, you know. A lot of times, like agents won't just like hand a guy over to a team's yeah, doctor yeah. because they're gonna want to have their own doctor who's gonna give the favorable medical opinion, and you know, like that. That stuff can always kind of get dicey. I mean, that's a negotiation in and of itself, not even the contract. Um, did you come up with these athletic projections, or do you, you guys? Uh... Oh no, that's from uh, Jim Bowden, former MLB okay. general. It's, it's quite a discrepancy between that and uh, for story, at least between that and the trade MLB trade rumors projection. Uh, yeah, six one twenty six, and then seven two zero four. 
I mean, I think some places have had story even lower. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. I think I saw somewhere story pegged for five at just a little over a hundred. So that's probably a good way to say no one really knows. Yeah. And I typically don't get too hung up on the, the course field thing for all the reasons that, that you laid out. And I also think like if you're signing, you know, like if you acquired LeMahieu and you acquired uh, Nolan and then, you know, you signed Trevor Story, you're signing good ball players, right? So I, I would be confident that Trevor Story could like figure out how to hit in Comerica. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that's something that, you know, should give him some credit for. Uh, Defense-wise, if his arm is already declining, so we're not necessarily talking about the injury. This is true. How much of that can be mitigated by shifts? Uh, like I don't, I don't know. I was just thinking out loud. Like, can you can you mitigate that a little bit? You know, we we we've, we've talked about multiple times this year. It's like, do we really even have positions in the infield if we're shifting like we do? Um, but then again, if you have to do so much, are you really should you really be paying that much money for the guy? I mean, <laughs> you could talk yourself in and out of all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, I, I do – we had talked months ago, and I was like, oh, this story thing, I don't really – I don't know. I just wasn't really down for it. But I have kind of come around because, again, with the whole could he be – again, I'm just making up numbers. 75% of Carlos Correa for 60% of the price or whatever, like, it, these these things are entirely possible. And if, as you laid out, that gives you more money to go sign, you know, some other players that can help your team in, in a variety of ways. And maybe it's like the Colorado thing, but I just don't really feel like there's a lot of people talking about Trevor's story right now. It's been very quiet, which is kind of curious. I don't know if that's more how Story's camp has chosen to play it or teams have some inside on his, his medicals more than we do as kind of the general public. Um, but I don't know. Like, then you look at um, – supposedly Marcus Simeon is also out of the Tigers range because he's trying to get like seven, eight years. Well, okay, leveraging. Uh, I don't think any team wants to be the guy who gives a 31 going on 32-year-old uh, seven, eight years. Of course, Simeon's asking for that. Of course, he's trying to negotiate his way to that. As he should. Today is that – at the end of the day, again, it's this stare down. Either it's push comes to shove and Simeon accepts four, five, six years, or a team that has whiffed on all these other guys gets really desperate and says, okay, you know what, we'll, we'll pay up and we'll give you those years. I have a hard time seeing Simeon get that long in a deal, but uh, yeah, I think he's a Boris client. I'm not positive on that. Whoever his agent is, is going to be a very good agent, is going to try to get his client the best deal as he should. Yeah, I wish I could come up with it off the top of my head. I can't remember now, but I do believe he's a Boris client, and they're trying to get him a deal similar to, ah, bad podcasting. Can't remember. There was some like within the last two years of signing that he's not trying to get Lindor money. No, it? it's not Lindor. It was like uh, it was a guy. He's a Boris client. It was a guy that was also in his early thirties who got like eight years and two hundred fifty million or you know whatever. Uh, Whatever, I can't remember. That's all. Yeah, we know nothing about baseball because I also <laughs> cannot think off the top of my head who this is. But so. uh, well, I'm just such an avid reader of The Athletic, Cody, well, that I, I can't remember story. every detail. I will come back to it. I will come back to it. Let's keep going. I will interject when I find it. Well, speaking of The Athletic, uh, hell of a deal going on 
right now. Yes. One one dollar a month subscription. Uh, if you guys can tell me the last time you spent twelve dollars on something that was of great of that level of value, I'll buy your subscription. <laughs> Not legally binding. So, but it is it is it is a great deal. Um, so if you guys take advantage of that, I think I definitely think you will find it worth that price. Um, I, as I kind of think out loud with with the shortstop market and what I would deem a move that I'd be critical of more than others, unless you're getting one of these shortstops, like unless you're signing Carlos Correa to, I don't really think there's going to be that much negotiating for his contract. I think it's pretty much just, just above Lindor and, and maybe some options here or there. I think that one's almost, uh, almost set in stone really. But I, I would, here's the contract. Ooh, You've got it. Ooh. Fellow Toronto Blue Jay, uh, George Springer, who a year ago was almost the same age as Simeon is today, yeah. got six years, 150. Uh, right now, Simeon's trying to get close to 200 million, which good luck, Marcus. I uh, hope you get that, but I, I'm not sure you do. Now, six years, 150, that's a little more conceivable. Yeah. It, uh, Boris yeah. is also pointing to Anthony Rendon. Seven years, two forty-five as a comp, but Rendon yeah, was thing, two years younger. He was two years younger. So plus he had the World Series prestige. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, the Angels, another example of uh, can't can't write a check your way to uh, a championship, whether that's a major league championship or an American League championship or a division championship or a division series win or a playoff win. Has Mike Trout won a playoff game? Uh, he hasn't won a playoff series. Uh, he might have won one, but uh, but anyway, um, I just would be. Uh, oh, go ahead. I totally just blinked out. Um, oh yeah, Angels fans were really excited for a time when uh, oh we signed Albert Pujols to a long term deal. We signed we signed Josh Hamilton to a big contract. I, I think they were still paying a lot for Tory Hunter for a while. CJ Wilson. Yeah, that that hasn't worked out. CJ CJ Wilson hasn't worked out. Hasn't worked out. Yeah. And the way that you ensure to the best of your ability that these moves work out is you try to make smart you take a smart measured approach to free agency. And that's why I think the Tigers should not, outside of like one or two circumstances, should not be the first team to sign one of these shortstops. If you could get like story for a lot less than people thought if you can get, you know, Simeon for a lot less than people thought, something like that. Or obviously Correa, because as I was saying, I think his contract's pretty much set. Just, you know, a couple things here and there that would have to be negotiated. Um, I'm not really sure I would like Al to set the market for shortstops. I was okay with him doing it for tier two pitchers in free agency. But I think the shortstop thing, there's a little bit more at stake. There are more dollars at stake. There's no doubt about that. I don't, outside of a couple circumstances, I would probably, if uh, if if Al was the first one to sign a shortstop, unless they just really love their guy, I could be talked out of that, but that would make me a little nervous. Another interjection, Mike Trout has played in three postseason games, all in 2014, handily swept by the Kansas City Royals. Mike Trout, the best player of this generation, is 1-4-12 lifetime in the postseason. Through no fault of his own. It is, uh, it's a hard game. It's a hard business, baseball. Um, and it's going to get, 
even harder, I think, with these labor negotiations. So, um, do you have do you have an opinion on uh, do you have an opinion on you know when the pounce or when the weight or well, what's your what's your take on that? I don't think, as Al said the other day, I don't think December first is an actual deadline. I think ideally there are a lot of players that would like to know where they're going to play. I think a lot of teams would like to know what their roster is going to be before this impending lockout. But at the end of the day, the day it's an artificial deadline. There's no actual pressure to make a move. I think it could almost be dangerous if some teams feel overly pressured to do something before December 1st. And if you're Al, you can at least go into the labor dispute uh, knowing that you have made your team better. Um, Selfishly, I hope they sign someone before December 1st so I can stop worrying about <laughs> who they're going to sign. But I don't know. We got a couple days. I think it might be a crazy couple days across baseball. So I, right now, I also think anyone who tells you that they know what's going on or what's going to happen is probably lying. Like the dominoes are going to fall, but that first domino has not really fallen yet. And until then, it's it's anyone's guess. Well, one of the things we like to do on this podcast is try to make smart people smarter. And I will reiterate what I had said a couple of weeks ago about whenever there's a report, read between the lines about, you know, what the language is and and who it benefits. And that will tell you who's leaking information to the media. Mm-hmm. So with the bias thing, you're talking about leverage. It's like, oh, the Red Sox are interested. Oh, the Tigers are interested. Could a reunion with the Cubs be down the pike? You know, and um, and the Mets still really want them. So, you know, drumming up interest. Who do you think that benefits? It doesn't benefit any team, but it benefits yeah. the player. And again, of course, the Tigers are interested. The Tigers are interested in all these players. It would be a crime if they were not interested, not looking, not talking to Javi Baez's agent. That would be a real problem. If they were just, ah, no, forget him. We're not even going to check in on him. Right. That's where the problem, that that would be what was wrong. This this report that surfaces on Twitter, the Tigers are interested in him. That's not always something to freak out about. Yeah, I agree. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to get into uh, before we go to uh, stories from college? I think uh, I'm definitely tired of talking about shortstops, but it's also uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and there's not a lot else going on in the baseball world. So say we tell stories from college. The still unnamed stories from college uh, segment, uh, Cody teased what we were going to talk about last week. We uh, we had a, a nice bar friend that we nicknamed Suit Guy. I think his real name was Mike. Was it Mike? Our... His real name was Mike. I don't know his last name. I think I did at one point in time, and I forgot don't it. Don't want to. I'm glad I forgot. Don't want to. It's a good thing. Yes. There were a couple of guys like that. Glad I don't know his real name. He's best known as Suit Guy. So I'll I'll set the scene a little bit, and Cody interject uh, whenever you uh, see fit. But uh, back in our youth, Cody and I would frequent nighttime establishments most uh, most commonly. In Stillwater on the Strip, which I had mentioned last week, a place called J.R. Murphy's, which is best known for neon palm trees uh, that overlook uh, the Strip. And we would see this guy there as often as we were, which was not it was not a light occurrence of us uh, heading to J.R. Murphy's. We uh, we were there a decent bit, I would say, and just this kind of 
husky dude, um, not very tall, uh, always had a smile on his face, but what really stood out was he was wearing a suit, full-on suit, every single time, and so... A couple quick points. Okay, go ahead. J.R. Murphy's in Oklahoma, uh, you can still smoke inside bars, so... People didn't wear, it was a college bar. People were, you know, dressed like frat daddies or the girls dressed up or people would just randomly, everyone would be wearing like basketball jerseys. Ain't nobody wearing a suit. And if you were wearing a suit, it's going to smell really bad the next day. So that this guy was probably frequenting the dry cleaners. Yeah, probably had a very expensive dry clean uh, bill. So once, so, so finally we just had to talk to him, you know, we're both interested and in interesting people, you know, so. So we went up to him and said, hey, dude, we see you all the time, having a good time. He's always trying to meet women. And, uh, you know, like, what's up with the suit, dude? Like, you're always wearing a suit. Why? And he looked at us and he goes, I'm just trying to meet my wife, man. (laughs) 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 Which which is a great response in so many facets. Yeah. Jared Murphy's would be an interesting place to meet your wife for the first time, but I'm sure it has happened a million times. I know of at least one couple off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more. Yes. And secondly, I thought, you know, on this, it's pure genius. Like on the surface, there's nothing that makes him stand out because obviously bars, like there's so many dudes at bars, right? Guys go out to bars, I believe, on average, more than women. And so, like, if you are not, like, exceptionally good-looking, very tall, very muscular, you know, you got, like, some very expensive clothing on or whatever, or you don't have a status, like, how do you stand out? That's what this guy asked himself. How do I stand out? I'm going to wear a suit. I'm going to wear a suit. (laughs) And... And it worked, at least for us. I mean, uh, the, he did stand out to us. Uh, his track record, I don't think I don't think he had a good batting average. Let me just phrase it like that. Uh, Terrible uh, batting. His, Horrible, as his, far as I know. His war. Might have been zero. Might have been zero. <laughs> he, so, you know, since, since Cody and I are both very sociable people, like, you know, we just knew a lot of people, like, through different, you know, activities and work and friends of friends of friends, you know, all that stuff. So we knew a lot of people, so, like, We'd be talking to, I would say, girls at the bar on a fairly regular basis, but they would just be people we knew. We were not really hitting on them or, like, nothing was going to happen. They just had the people we knew, so we are just chatting, you know, having a good Usually, time. Usually, we were not actually hitting on these girls. If we were, our batting average was also not very good. Yes. But the beautiful thing about this, for some reason, suit guy would always run into us when we would have, like, multiple women around <laughs> us. But often just, like, friends, you know. Yeah. But always, always. And he was so impressed. He thought... He must have thought. Day, he, he made a comment one day. He's like, "Man, y'all always got the girls around you." <laughs> <laughs> we're like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure, we're, we're we're not gonna kill that illusion." If there, if right. if we can die with at least one person thinking that <laughs> we had a different girl every night, I mean, <laughs> that's a life. Well, there was well also not that much about us that stood out. We would joke from time to time about like. Should we bring in a copy of the the student newspaper, you know, <laughs> carry it around with us so people yeah, that's my know picture. we work for the paper, you know? Uh, this is my story. <laughs> we were not quite idiotic enough to ever actually do that, but we would joke about it. Yeah. Uh, we, we also didn't 
you know, dressing suits. We were just two like average looking dudes hanging at the bar. Uh, but the persistence of suit guy was really beautiful because it was every single time. Again, I don't think he had a high batting average, but he kept going. He kept trying. He did not give up. I think once you ran into him without a suit, which must have been a jarring sight. Yeah, he didn't have a suit, but he still like he was still dressed better than anybody else. Like it was, if memory serves, it was like a sweater vest thing. Oh, that's right. And, that's right. uh, and might've been slacks too. I but think it was slacks. Yeah. Sweater no, vest, sweater, yeah. sweater vest and slacks. My favorite suit guy story, excuse me, is, uh, this was after you had graduated, I believe. So I was out and, I saw him, and he was talking to two girls. So I went and said hi to him, and and I actually don't remember if I was single at the time or not. But either way, like I knew I wasn't gonna try to like pick up either of these women. But uh, but I thought I'd help him out. I would be his wingman. So I started talking to the other girl that he was not talking to, right? So I was occupying her, just conversating with her while he was trying to do his thing. And they eventually, him and the girl, like, eventually left. But before that, he came up to me and he goes, hey, man, let's switch. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, hey, uh, it doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere with her. So let, like, let's, you know, I want to talk to her now. And I was like, dude, like, she knows that you had your eye on her friend the entire night. So if you just like, it, it's not a car part, dude. You can't just like switch it out. Like you gotta, like you made your commitment and you gotta stick to it. Like she's her, if she's not feeling you, her friend's not gonna feel you because she's gonna feel insulted that you didn't choose her. And this was a concept that just went right over his head. Uh, so he he did go back to talking to the first girl and he like walked her to her car, but they both just like left. So that's uh, that's how that ended. But I just I just remember looking at him like, this is not gonna work. Like just like us switching talking to the other. Like that, they are smart. They know what you're trying to do, and no one wants to be a second choice, especially to your friend the whole night. So, <laughs> hey man, let's switch. So another thing, I have no idea what suit guy is doing now. I'm a journalist. I usually like to keep in touch with people or at least kind of keep tabs on them, follow their lives, their stories. I've thought about looking him up and then I remember I don't know his last name. We think his first name was Mike. I think he told us that once. I think we knew his last name for a little bit but didn't retain it. I had his number and he was just in my phone as suit guy and I think he's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. And I think that's for the best. I think that makes the story better. It better encapsulates the oddities of college because he's just suit guy. It's just the legend of suit guy. And that's all it is. There's no real beginning. There's no real ending. It was just suit guy. It's an image that can't be tarnished by trying to figure out what he would be trying to do now. I think it's it's perfect the way it is. It was a moment in time and we can just let it be there. So we'll uh, we'll come up with more of those. Hope you all were entertained by that. I'm sure everyone listening 
probably remember some version of Suit Guy, just some person that you always saw out and was a character and, you know, kind of, you know, makes, you know, makes the nostalgia a little bit, all that much more charming, you know, so every, I'm sure everyone has their examples of Suit Guy, that, you know, there's this person that just is ingrained in your memory and will be forever. And honestly, if you got some, send them, oh, you, yeah. know, you know, maybe we'll read send them off us, next week. Yeah. We're about to be in the lockout, like, so. you know, your example. Yeah, we're we're going to need things to talk about. So if you got examples of just crazy people from your young days, and you try to keep it PG. We, we we try to keep it PG here, but uh PG-13. It can be PG-13. Um but yeah, if you got examples of that, send a, send us our way and maybe we'll read some of them off. So Is there anything else you want to get into, my man? That's that's all I got. All right. Well, uh hope everybody had a great and happy thanksgiving um remember to take everything with somewhat of a grain of salt on twitter these next couple days and just go ahead and brace yourself for that labor stoppage because i would bet a hefty amount of money that there will be a physical or metaphorical whatever lockout by the next time we drop a podcast so what that means for the tigers we'll have to see i part of me still laments that you know, right as they're trying to hit their stride, something like this would happen. You know, it's the timing is not great, but it is what it is. But we'll still be here. We'll still be potting. We'll still be coming up with ways to entertain you guys. We appreciate all our listeners. We appreciate people who follow us on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our podcast page is at Turn Corner Pod. And we appreciate all of our subscribers as well. Um, it's a lot of fun doing this. Hope you guys are entertained as well. For you Michigan fans, congratulations. That's a, that's a big win. Um, and maybe maybe even get launched into the playoffs. So happy happy for the Michigan fans who had to suffer for a long time at the hands of Ohio State. Kind of like Oklahoma State fans with Oklahoma in the Bedlam series. So both schools got wins. So happy for you guys. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Thank you for listening.